is your host, Alex Garrett. Welcome inside to Alex Garrett Nightly. Uh, Sports-wise, college basketball is up and running. Can you believe it's November 9th? Can you believe that tip-off is here? The ESPN Marathon. We've got Gonzaga on right now. They're the number one in the college scene. Taking on Dixie State. Uh, We'll see if there's a lot of upsets tonight. You know, anything can happen. But the trek toward March Madness starts now. And we're going to be having coverage on that on Alex Garrett Nightly. Just as much as we're going to cover the fact that, yes, yes, the Knicks are winning at the Garden. (laughs) The Knicks are winning at the Garden. This is just great stuff to talk about because uh, they played the Sixers. They beat the Sixers last night. You have a record of 7-4 and four competing early on. Look, in the NBA and NHL, I know you're going to go through streaks, but I firmly believe if you want to compete, you have to get out the gate fast. And finally, Thibodeau has this team going. Finally, Gerard Gallant has this hockey team going. They beat the Panthers last night 4-3 to three with a record of 10-1-1. and one. When was the last time the Rangers did that? 10-1-1 one, and one to start out the year. Another sport where if you get out to a fast start, you can streak a little bit in the middle of January, but that could that, that just levels out. However, you start fast, you could actually go on the way to a big season. And so finally, the Rangers have a coach. Rangers have a team. 10-1-1. One, and, one. and they're retiring, or they already did retire Henrik Lundqvist's jersey. So it's uh, it's awesome. And another uh, issue with NHL plaguing it, the Ducks GM, Bob Murray, has been placed on administrative leave during an ongoing investigation due to professional conduct. Even Mario Lemieux, one of the hockey greats, has been implicated in maybe hiding sexual assault and workplace violations. It's crazy. But without further ado, my interview with a marathon runner from Sunday's 50th New York City Marathon, Henry Wong. Henry, thanks for joining me today to talk about your experience this past Sunday. Henry, so glad to have you on. Uh, Alex, what a pleasure, man. And Thank we, you. Thanks for having me on. We've talked on and off about the Giants, about everything under the sun, it feels like. But uh, I know you are a big runner, and I know that you did the marathon, so... 50th time, what was it like running in the 50th? Was there a different energy, especially after COVID? Can I tell you, I, you know, I usually don't, uh, I run a lot of marathons in my life. Uh, this is number seven New York City marathon for me. And, you know, I don't really get emotional. You know, I'm not the emotional type type of thing, but boy, oh boy, just seeing all of the crowds. I mean, New York City on Sunday, we're, we're back, man, right? Like just... The crowds came out in force. Uh, there was a smaller field size that actually, you know, made the race better. Right? It felt a little bit more intimate. You got to connect with the crowd a little bit more. But uh, there's some new leadership at NYRR, and there was concerns if, if the race was gonna, if the the race was gonna be, you know, up to par. And listen, it exceeded all expectations. It was so good. What a what a blessing to be able to to experience it. And we had perfect weather too. Well, you know, it's interesting. the uh, The weather was beautiful, but I was at I was at uh, Manhattan Avenue in Greenpoint with my girlfriend, 
and we saw the runners coming down. I'm like, this is cool. It seemed like at the mile markers, they did music stops, right? Like they have music everywhere along the route. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, they, you know, Roadrunners goes and they have these official entertainment um, location entertainment zones or something like that. But I mean, what's awesome about New York Roadrunners, about New York City, rather, is Henry, you there? The marching band that comes out, right? I got you. Yeah, we lost you there for a minute, but. And DJs. Yeah, I lost you there for a minute, but that is so cool that they had the marching bands and whatnot. And so um, it, every year when they do this marathon, it's just like a holiday in New York City, is it not? It's like the biggest uh, the biggest block party, right? And, and the biggest block party, <laughs> longest. I have to ask you this because obviously I feel like there are some that run in honor of the Boston Marathon tragedy eight years ago. And do you feel that inspiration? Like, yes, we are going to defy what those people, you know, what those bombers did and say, we're going to keep running no matter what, no matter where we are. No, it's really a testament to kind of like human effort, right? And that at the end of the day, like, we're, we're all out there and we're all pushing together and suffering together and working hard, right, to, to accomplish this goal, you know, regardless of, uh, it never gets any easier. You just get a little faster. Well, let, let's talk about the um, the COVID protocols. Were there much on the route? Was there much pre-scanning or pre-testing? Like, what was the protocol like? So, um, in order to go ahead and get your bid and pick up all of, like, your race materials and things along those lines, it was at the Javits Center, and you needed to show proof of vaccination to go ahead and get it. And then when we were in the uh, the waiting area to get into the corrals at the Athlete Village, we had to all wear masks. And, uh, you know, I would say that it was good adherence. You know, the volunteers were instructed to kind of remind everybody to, you know, keep their mask above their nose. And, uh, you know, for the most part, everybody complied. But once the race went off, so did all the masks. Of so course. It's, it's so tough to run with masks, is it not? Yeah, I mean, when... In, in the height of the pandemic before we knew um, you know much more about what it is now there was a, a good amount of time where I tried to run with a mask and that was you quickly find out that that's like impossible right yeah absolutely and, and I gotta ask you this I mean I don't know what the qualifiers were for everybody but uh, did you do any other races prior to uh, this marathon so um Usually I do the nine plus one option, right? So Roadrunners has a option where if you run nine races before and volunteer for one of them, you get thematic entry. Um, I was supposed to run in 2020, but you know, the pandemic happened, right? So they kind of just rolled over the, the entry and, uh, and here we are. That's how I got in this year. I often wonder as I see these guys finish uh, at any time, by the way, uh, what the training goes into it. So give us a little bit of how you train for this. Sure. Um, I mean, listen, this, like I said, this isn't my first rodeo, but I had 18 weeks dedicated to, to running, right? I would run six days a week. Um, I peaked my, my, the most mileage I ran was about 68 miles in a week. Uh, I averaged you know, between 55 to 60, right around in that territory. I don't know the exact math, but it works out to something around close to 10 miles a day. But usually it would be, you know, six six shorter runs and one really, really long run. And then, uh, you know, workouts within 
one or two workouts within um, the six shorter ones. Henry, as a runner, were you frustrated that there were some over this pandemic that just decided to go home and stay home and not even run? Like, I feel like that was a good way to get out, just to even do a run here and there. Yeah, no, not really. I mean, listen, everybody, the, everyone has their reasons, right? Maybe they're maybe they're hurt, maybe they weren't prepared or, or something. Um, no, I mean, I'm not too bothered by that, right? Like, uh, their loss, <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, absolutely. It was, such a great, it was such a great experience, right? Like, if you had the opportunity to do it, uh, you should try to come on out and, and give it a shot, right? But, you know, sometimes stuff happens, life happens, and I get that. So were you there pre-pandemic? You've done the marathon before, haven't you? Yep. yep, yep. And I feel like the energy was a little different back even at this uh, Tavern on the Green celebration because I heard there was spectator lists and whatnot the other night. Uh, no, I mean, I have to say, like, uh, I felt like... I felt like everybody was, you know, pent up, right? And couldn't wait to go and have an opportunity to come on out and kind of support the runners. And I mean, I thought the energy was just unbelievable. It, it was for me at least, right? You know, I was, I was earlier, uh, I know they spread out the waves, so maybe the crowds thinned out towards, towards mm. later in the day, but the energy was just unreal. Oh, I meant the Saturday, because I always do it like a pre- pre-marathon celebration were you at that Saturday night no I wasn't there I was uh, probably in bed <laughs> getting ready for it well I've got to, I've often wondered as these guys as you guys go with the burrows do you have a favorite burrow do you have a favorite stretch that you just can't wait to hit every time out well listen I you know you mentioned earlier right uh, Queens College I'm a lifelong Queens Queens guy right over here I my uh, shout out to my my team Queens distance runners, you know, so I was looking forward to uh, seeing them. So my favorite borough is definitely Queens. But I will say the runner up will definitely be Brooklyn because Brooklyn brings it. The energy in Brooklyn is outrageous. I have to ask, did you see this duck that was on the route at all? Because I know they had a duck running in the marathon this year. You know, I didn't. I did not see a duck. <laughs> I was like, I wow, saw, that's. I saw some costumes, but I did not see a duck. I was gonna say, people run in some crazy stuff, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the the first year, I and the marathon. The first time I ever ran the marathon, I was on the top deck, and there were these two people who I presumed were from France because they were dressed like the Eiffel Tower, and this big gust of wind came and blew over and all you could hear is chocolate blue money blue. they almost you know they almost flew off the bridge it was uh it was quite the sight <laughs> henry i know you've done this for a while talking with henry wong uh he is a marathon runner multiple time marathon runner do you find your times get better even now average what 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 was your time this year and how did it rank up between the other years alex i mean i'm i'm so blessed right uh i ran you know, probably one of the the best races that I've ever run this this past Sunday. Um, I didn't get the time that I wanted. I wanted to go under three hours. I ended up at three hours and, and two minutes. But, you know, I, I feel like I ran the best race that I could have done that day, right? Um, there's a term, diff split, which is when you run the second half faster than you run the first half. And I ended up um, negative splitting the rates, right? So I ran the second half faster than the first, and, and I'm really proud of that uh, accomplishment right over here. Um, I'm blessed. I, I've been getting faster, right? I've been learning how to run better, and my fitness has improved, and I, I hope to continue to improve. 
Now, I also do some adaptability. So tell us what it's like adapting weather-wise. Because some of the years it's freezing cold on Marathon Sunday. Other years it's like this past Sunday. Oh, let me tell you. The, it was. It may have been freezing cold for spectators, but it was absolutely perfect for, for runners. Um, we have this kind of this rule of thumb, right? If, if you're at the start line and you're feeling cold, then it's going to be really good for running. If you're at the start line and you're feeling comfortable, then it's probably too hot. Mm. And did they do the big cannon? I know they set off a cannon or something like that in Staten Island to get the whole thing going. Oh, yeah. Gets me every year. Startles me every year. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Because you are in finesse, you are fitness, um, those who aspire to do this, what's your advice to them? Um, you know, I, I always say this. I think everyone who tries to get into, you know, endurance sports like running, for example, the tendency is to start too fast, right? Um, they always, you know, it's like you, you don't have to go fast, right? And every little bit helps. The, the biggest part is just to start, right? Get out there, do it. Even if it's even if it's just a minute, even if it's 30 seconds, right? It, it all adds up. Just stay consistent with it. Go easy in the beginning. It should feel really, really slow, right? Uh, you know, the biggest challenge is that folks go on out, they go too fast, they get a side stitch, they get shin splints, their back hurts, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? So just, you know, take it nice and easy, uh, set goals, you know, get out there more frequently uh, in, short, in short spats, and then just gradually pick it up from there. Now, as you know, I've done running in the past, too. Like, I love to run the Fifth Avenue Mile or even those five-mile races, and my technique is to do... And on crutches, it's not easy, by the way. But it is a rewarding really experience. Not. So I always say, well, I'm never going to do this again. And this is like mile three of a final. I'm never doing this again. And then you cross the finish line. You're doing it again next year. Um, do you ever feel like that? Like, oh, my God, I don't know if I could do this next year. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I could do this next year. <laughs> you know, usually, usually I get the, I can't believe I paid money to do thought <laughs> running through my head, right? Uh, why do you do this to yourself? You know, uh, thankfully not this year, right? This year, like I said, I felt like I got stronger as I was going on uh, with the race. So I never really fatigued. But yes, I could totally relate to that sentiment, right? Like, uh, I'm done. Never again until you cross the finish line. And it's take my money, sign me back up. <laughs> you know, one of the points I was thinking of yesterday uh, is that the TV sh screens don't always show the... To me, the heroes of the race are the ones that do finish about 6 o'clock at night, 5 o'clock at night. You know, they still persevere through it. But the TV doesn't show that. And I'm like, you know, it's more than just the top winners, isn't it, Henry? No, it, it absolutely is, right? Like, just just uh, imagine, I mean, just being out there for that amount of time. And then also, you know, one of the things, you know, my, my first marathon was... Uh, at New York City and it was close to five hours so I can totally relate and what people fail to realize is there are different challenges that um, you know these these later finishers have to go through the first thing is you know they have to show up on on Staten Island at six o'clock in the morning but they're not running the race until noon right so they're there for hours before the race so that's a whole level of just waiting there and, and getting ready. And like you said, it's cold in the morning, right? And sometimes it's wet. So you have this whole big buildup. Also, when you're later in the race, you know, you've had 20,000 people go through the course already. You know, the, the footing is tough. You have, 
cuffs that are thrown on the ground and the volunteers are, are excellent and terrific, but there's only so much they can do, right? So now you're running through aid stations that might not be as fully stocked. Uh, the weather now is turning because it's getting darker, right? Daylight yep. savings now, four o'clock in the afternoon, it's dark. Um, so, you know, it's a whole slew of different challenges and you're absolutely right, right? There needs to be more emphasis on these folks over here because uh, it's it's equally as impressive as a, a two-hour finisher. And the tears that do cross, uh, they cross the finish line with you, I noticed, that a lot of people do cry and like, did I actually do this right now? Yeah, it's uh, it's emotional, right? It's emotional, and it's this culminating moment of just you know months and weeks of just training and dedication, you know, uh, watching what you eat and, and mm. you know sacrificing weekends and time with your family to 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 do you know to run. I was going to say, do you run for your family? Do you run for not only yourself but for everyone in your sphere? Like, what's that like? I hope so. You know, honestly, really, as a byproduct, right? Like right now, I'm at the place where I, I just need to run just to uh, stay focused, right? To kind of clear my brain and, and be able to to be the best version of myself. I feel like I need to run, but if my family or if my friends get inspiration from this, uh, or you know, if I'm a good role model for my kids, then that that's also great. Uh, but I can't say that it's it's the sole reason. <laughs> Definitely for me. Well, there you go. All right. Um, you just mentioned a minute ago that you you focus on how much money you spent to do this race. But on a serious note, do you ever find yourself losing focus within the twenty six point two miles? And if you do, how do you snap back into it? Huh. I don't. You know, I have to. I have to say. You know, I, I consider. I, I do take this pretty seriously. Um, you know, a big chunk of my day especially when I'm training is is really going ahead and focusing and so I constantly kind of just think back to myself and and uh you know I I can't say that I do lose lose focus right I mean it's tough because there's a you know the crowds are cheering and you guy you got a guy in a banana suit running by you and oh look that that person's not wearing any shoes and he's running barefoot that's must be painful <laughs> but you know I, I try to snap back out of it and stay focused as, as much as I can because uh, you know I'm working towards a goal right and I don't know if I'd forgive myself if I missed out on the goal on just a, a second or two because I lost concentration right so I, I you know try to snap back as much as I can alright I gotta ask about, ask about hitting Manhattan because it looks so cool when you go down from the uh, Queensboro Bridge or Ed Codge Bridge as they say now into First Avenue what's that moment like hitting Manhattan yeah I, I don't think that you can really go ahead and appreciate that moment without really talking about the moments that led up to that right mm -hmm. heading up that heading up the Queensboro Bridge you're going from this big ruckus crowd of cheers and and you know what's interesting is as as you're in queens and you're running you're literally running towards the bridge right like the bridge queensboro bridge is in the background and everybody talks about it it's the most challenging part hands down of the race and then you turn onto the bridge and it is quiet i mean you don't hear anything there are there aren't any spectators everybody slows down everybody's breathing goes up your legs start to burn some more and it just feels like this forever climb right you're just climbing forever and forever and then you kind of hit the apex but when when you're at the apex it flattens 
and it doesn't go downhill right away, right? Mm -hmm. So it's almost uh, deceiving on the mind to some extent. But then you gradually start to feel the downhill and down the bridge. And it's not even, uh, you don't even hear the sounds first, right? You feel the sounds, you feel this rumble. And as you're then greeted and you turn off First Avenue, you just get hit with this this wall of cheering. And I have to go tell you, like I, just, I have chills just thinking about it and talking it through right now. It, mm. It's unbelievable. It's the sensation is is I like I said more of a feeling, and you you kind of feel it before you hear it, right? And you're just hit with this this uh, monster cheer. It's, it's unbelievable. Do you play sports throughout the year to also get ready for this? Like, are you? athletic do you play sports you do do much of that kind of thing as well you know it's funny uh what, what was that show there's a show on hbo it was a, it's like a sports comedy show and the person was like you don't play sports you play exercise are you <laughs> are you familiar with that line i am not familiar with that line but that's a good that's an interesting line I'll have, to, I'll have to look it up. Um, in the summertime, I go and I ride and I swim, and then I'll put that together with the bikes. So I'll do triathlons. I'll swim, bike, and run. Um, but then, you know, typically in the fall and the spring, I'm I'm, uh, I'm, I'm running. And listen, you know, like my, my son's now starting to play baseball, so I'll throw the ball around with him and, and do drills with him and, and play baseball with him, and my daughter's playing softball. So, you know, that that's a lot of fun, right? But that's kind of the extent to it right now. I mean, running is has kind of really taken over for me. It was interesting. Somebody had offered one of the one of the dads at uh, Junior's Little League game offered you know asked me to go play softball with them, and this was like two weeks from the marathon, and I had to politely decline. The last thing I need to do is you know sprain my ankle trying to trying to catch a fly ball. You know. <laughs> oh no, I I can't imagine that. Um, back to the marathon for a quick minute. It, I felt the international feeling wasn't there as much because I believe, were, were they allowed to participate or was it more of an American feel this year because the internationals with the COVID and everything was a little less? You, you know, you're not the first person to ask me that, right? And I honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I know that there have been some travel restrictions. So, you know, I don't think that any accommodations were made for a marathon, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, but we live in New York, right? I, I, as I was running, I heard many languages as, as we do when we kind mm -hmm. of just walk up and down the street, right? So it didn't feel less international, right? Like I didn't get that feeling uh, until somebody asked me afterwards. Did you, you mentioned the gratitude, but I tell you, we're all living through a pandemic, nervous about it. And then to cross the finish line is like, holy cow, we just survived a pandemic and we're crossing the finish line in a marathon. Like... The two are feeling very surreal at the moment. Yeah, I have to tell you, it was, uh, you know, it was really good to just see people back out again, right? Like this was, this felt normal. You know, mm. Roadrunners did a great job putting on a, an awesome event. New York City came out. I think, uh, I think we needed this, mm. you know, it was, it was, well, I needed it. That's for sure. <laughs> I was going to say, so did you let loose after? Did you go out for a little bit after the race? Like what was your post-race celebration? Uh, my buddy and I went out. We we got some food right away. You know, um, it, it, it's interesting. It's actually kind of a, a week long celebration for me right now, right? So leading up, I was very careful about what I ate, uh, but but I've been you know splurging and treating myself out to lunch. You know, had some 
had some pizza today and, you know, probably going to get some burgers. <laughs> going to let loose a little bit. Now, I've got to ask you this. Um, did you see any runners that were struggling? Have you ever done that where you kind of hit the finish line and realize, oh, man, someone behind me is struggling to get there. Let me help. Like, have you ever run into that? Uh, you know, it, it's kind of tunnel vision at that point, right? Um, you know, of course, like, towards the end of the race everybody's struggling right mm -hmm. like it's it's a uh, it's kind of survival at that point right over there thankfully i've never seen anybody in in such bad shape that needed support right that needed needed help and assistance and i'm, I'm very grateful for that um but you know it's just it's just right at the end it's like it's like pain and then when you see the finish line you you just that, that laser focus, that tunnel vision comes in and it's just, let me just get there. <laughs> and then when you get to the finish line, it's, it's, you're looking for, uh, you're looking for the medics. <laughs> if I'm honest, Henry, I feel like they should have that, you know, a rib, that line you break. I forget what they actually call it. Oh, the finish line? Yeah. Like with the ribbon and everything like that to, you know, crossing it. I feel like they should put that up for everybody. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think logistically that would be kind of tough. I, I think there was like 28,000 or 30,000 finishers, you know. Uh, but that would be nice. I know some races do do that, some of the smaller ones, right? Absolutely. Where, uh, everyone gets, the ex gets to experience breaking the tape. That's the term, breaking the tape. There we go. Yes, 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 breaking the tape. So it feels like that should be for everybody, that marathon. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, did you feel... Uh, like let's talk about the police presence for a minute in general they they sort of protect the city like at all costs and do you, did you feel really safe this year i guess my first question 100 percent. right there was no doubt that uh you know all of the intersections were were manned by uh our, our finest men and women right i mean there was just uh you know they 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 worked and they had this planned out and it was just safe was never a concern, right? There, there was no concern. The, the checks, the bag checks at security, going into the athlete village, leaving the athlete village, there was just, there was no doubt. Uh, never once did it cross my mind to say that I felt unsafe at any point. That, that is a good thing because I know that we go all out to protect everything in this city. And, it, you know, even the road closures were kind of weird. So we were driving around, everything seemed to be closed, but... You know, it's not worth complaining about because it shows just how good of a time we put, make it for the marathoners. It's the best marathon in the world. It's it's one of the toughest, but it is by far the best. You mentioned new ma uh, leadership at the NYRR, and that can always be uh, a little challenging, but were you impressed that even during all of this, they were able to pull it off? I, I mean, COVID makes everything harder, mm. right? You know, so uh, even even just going grocery shopping uh, is, has made things harder. So the logistical undertaking of putting on an event with 30,000 people crossing five boroughs over the span of 26.2 miles is not an easy feat, right? And to at it and to do it for the first time as well, uh, it was terrific. Well, Henry, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And uh, on Alex Garanelli, thank you for always tuning in. And guess what? We'll have more tomorrow or the next day, and and we'll, we'll see what happens. Keep you updated on the sports news and the world around us as time goes by. Uh, <coughs> Knicks and Rangers are looking really good, as I mentioned at the top. And 
I'm excited. I'm actually excited for the winter. See, the marathon kicks off the fall officially here in New York. That is the unofficial official start to the fall, in my view. The, the New York City Marathon. Now we can focus on the excitement of the Knicks, the Rangers, what the Nets are going to bring, um, what the Islanders are going to bring, UBS Arena, and elsewhere. And I'm excited to see the prospects here. But for now, I'm Alex Garrett, Alex Garrett Knightley, on Kenny Dig Sports Radio and Alex Garrett Podcasting. We'll talk to you soon.